Hi everyone, welcome to another Realtor Talk. Today I'm joined by a friend of mine, Omar Alduri. How are you doing? How are you doing, Lloyd? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How are you doing? Very good, my man. Very good. It's good okay, to see so another face again, man. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's been a long time. Well, Omar's, Omar's an old friend of mine. We used to play uh, football together, but I brought him on the show for, for other reasons today. Um, why didn't you introduce yourself, Omar, and just tell everyone who you are and what you do? Uh, my name is Omar Alduri. I'm an author of Reset, uh, international football coach, and also host of the Halftime Show on Pulse95. Okay, so well, you mentioned your, your, your book there, uh, Reset. We'll talk about it a bit more later. But in the book, you, you do talk about learning through, through trying and, and failing, um, relating more to real estate. In our, in our career as, as a real estate broker, uh, we fail quite a lot more than, than we succeed. And what can you suggest to someone trying to manage getting past failure to be successful? And how can we use coaching to, to reduce uh, the failure rate? It's a good question. I think when it comes down to, to failure, it is part of the process. And a lot of the times we grow up to two forms of um, an educational system, schooling, which is what the government teach you um, in how to to learn their criteria in, in what is called learning. And the educational part is what you learn through life's experiences. And part of life's experiences, obviously, is failure in how you respond. Now, I relate a lot of things to football um, as I do to life. And when it comes down to it, if we're looking at a football match normally and someone asks you two questions every single game, what was the score and who scored? They never ask you who missed. And that's the only result that comes out of a football match normally. The ones that are in depth and want to break down strategies and tactics, then they ask you, well, what happened and how did it go? But generally speaking, just like real estate as well, and like football, it comes down to two questions. What was the score? So did you, did you win? That was kind of like the first part. And then winning also comes in definition on, on what, is, what do you win out of a game? What do you get out of a game? And the second thing is who scored? So those are the points that you kind of look at in, in your sense, obviously, you score the deal. You know, uh, for my sense, it's more like, okay, so what did you get out of the game? So a lot of the time when it comes to goal setting, it's about being realistic, but also about looking at what you got out of it. Sometimes the best of the best have achieved so much through failure because they were able to experience the reality of being in a locker room, of being with teammates, of seeing how people react, behavior patterns, all these things come from failure. But when it's winning, and I'm sure you know this as well, it's very easy to be in that locker room because everything's rosy. The moment you have a setback um, is the moment you really start to see the real characters and personality that you need to be able to accomplish a better outcome the next time. Okay, and well, yeah, that's, that's great advice, I think, Omar, definitely. And people, like you said, they only remember the successes. It's mm -hmm. kind of like that iceberg analogy. You only see the, the tip of the iceberg. You don't see all of the the failures and the hard work that goes in, in behind the scenes. Um, yeah. on, the, on the second part of the question about how, how you can use coaching to, to improve your, your success rate, what, what would you suggest yeah. in, in, that, in that regard? See, coaching isn't just about getting through the moment. To be honest, it's a process. So you react to your opponent or you react to the, to the outcome or the incident at the time. Longevity is one of the hardest things to sustain in life or in work, period. Those that are considered great or very good at what they do are looking at the bigger picture. So being realistic is probably one of the best advice I could give. 
in terms of setting goals, but also from a coach's point of view, if the person buys into your philosophy and if you've spent time actually putting a plan out and not trying to wing it or just go by it, then you're kind of anticipating the best case scenario, the worst case scenario and how to progress from the midpoint. And that's where I normally think like um, Anthony Robbins mentioned it in a map, a massive action plan. When you do set yourself a, a huge plan, you've got small goals that you can achieve and take away from the point. So it is the role of a coach to be able to get the best out of his players with what he has, but it's also being realistic and absolutely being accountable rather than pointing the finger, which seems to be the easiest way to kind of massage your ego when it comes down to um, coaching where someone can say, yeah, but, but the ref didn't do that. Or yeah, but that wasn't a foul or, or that was a penalty, you know, or that guy, rip that guy off, for example. You know, there's so many different things you can come up with. But at the end of the day, I think being realistic and then being accountable are two fundamentals in coaching. Okay. So, yeah, well, like you said, a lot of people, they, they receive that coaching, but then they don't put the theory that they get from the coaching into, into practice. You were talking about, about planning there and making sure that you have a plan to kind of put that in action. Is that your, your best tip you can give to to turn information that you get from a personal coach, a book like yours, or say a YouTube video um, and putting it into action? Or are there other tips you can give in that regard? See, Lloyd, there's a lot of tips obviously you can give in that regard. One thing in terms of where are you getting the coaching from? Is that coach credible? Have they invested in their education to be able to elevate you to the next level? Um, Normally when it comes to teaching specifically, we're kind of, in the moment. So we take that information, we process it, and we just try and get through that incident. The point is a real coach will be able to deliver the message. See, you can have the best coach in the world with the most knowledge, but not be able to deliver the information that is required to elevate Lloyd as a person or as an athlete or as a, as a colleague. Those are the tips I think personally, when it comes down to uh, coaching, it's more than just the player. It is really down to um, educating the person to not just get past that moment, but to think of what are your goals? What, what's your outcome? How many sales are you looking to do? What, from this game now, are you looking at distance covered? So are you looking at trying to get them as an athlete to cover more distance? Or are you thinking, you know what? No, I don't want them to cover all the distance in this, in this game. I want them to be able to sustain it across the season so we can actually win at the end. You know, you always hear it, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, when, so that's exactly one of the things that you look at. You say, if there's an incident right now coming up or something that a challenge that we're facing, are we looking at just this challenge and are we scared of failure to get through this part? Or are we looking at the bigger picture, taking what we can out of this challenge so that next year at the same time, we've breezed through this, which was challenging at one point, but now it's easy. We've learned from it. And these are all the things in terms of prevention over cure is another thing I mentioned in the book. It's not cool to do prevention exercises or things that are going to reduce injury or inflammation. They're, they're quite boring. They're quite stable and quite, you know, um, they're, they're, quite, they're quite obvious at the same time. But yet when we're on the treatment table and we're looking at cure, we think, why didn't I just do the prevention exercises? I wouldn't be, on the, I wouldn't be injured right now. <laughs> so there's so many kind of things which we all, we've all gone through, myself included, where we kind of, we know. So I interviewed uh, Jim Quick, the brain coach, on my show. And he was brilliant. He said, um, Common sense isn't always common practice. We know what to do, but we don't always do what we know. And I thought, light bulb. I was like, that is brilliant. That's exactly, 
that sums up us as humanity and it sums up our behavior patterns. We know what to do. And a lot of the times we'll ignore certain things because we're like, well, no, I'm all right now. So I don't really need to yeah. do that, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think people also tend to not, not necessarily do the things that, like you said, the, the more interesting things to do or the things that are, are more painful to do for them, not necessarily in a, a physical sense. In, in, in sales and real estate, I think that's more, I could relate it to people trying to put off doing calls to people. So calling mm -hmm. people on the phone. And that's like a, a fundamental process in getting properties and speaking to owners and finding buyers for those properties. But a lot of people don't do that fundamental starting process. And then that causes pain further down the line in the, in the process of a sale or a rental. And I think that completely relates in terms of present prevention. If you don't you know, don't do that work there, you're going to have pain later down the line. It's a different process, but it completely mm -hmm. re relates in the same way. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, when, when you're looking at doing um, like, or improving your skills, like you were saying about, or oh, I want to, to have a player who'll be able to last the full season. A lot of people nowadays, they want to kind of fast track their improvement. Um, is, there, is there a way to do that rather than just doing consistent uh, hard work and experience, whether it be in, in a game situation in football or in you know, being on the sales floor um, when we're talking in a, in a sales job? Um, is there a way to kind of fast track that or is it just a matter of working day in, day out consistently and and getting that experience over time that's a good question one of the one of the chapters in my book is train smart not hard so that is something as age comes into it as well and you've got the experience you then tend to train a different way because you've accumulated the miles to be able to function better however what i will say is you can never beat hard work i mean hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard it is it is right there it is that message how many times have we seen people that are so talented, but they don't work. And because they don't work, they end up getting caught up with, you know, there's players I've come across in, in, in my career that I've looked at and thought, wow, what a talent, 10 times more talented than me, 10 times more talented than people we see on TV, but haven't made it because they just don't work hard enough. They rely on their talent. I yeah. think for me, humbling, humbling grounds is important. And uh, I was fortunate enough to go to Africa and work out there for a while. And when I was working out in Senegal, the, it's very easy to say, you know what? The resources are rubbish. So we haven't got state-of-the-art equipment. This is not going to work. This is, this is easy. You know, I'm just going to blame that. But when you look at the players, you look at the athletes I was working with, some of them ended up going to play for Manchester City. Some of them ended up going to play for Levante and, and Cadiz and all these teams and Lyon. Why? Because they work hard. And we didn't have, you know, your Vertamaxes and your cables and your resistant bands. The coach looked at me and said, listen, what I need from you is a training session. Here's some footballs. You've got a couple of cones there. Now you've got a squad of African players about to get ready for the African Nations Cup. It's your job to train them. Deal with it. Yeah. So at that point, that humbled me where I was like, listen, I'm in the UAE. We've got equipment coming out of our gardens. Like this, there's mad stuff happening in the UAE. We've got all this state-of-the-art things. We have, we have playgrounds with bars and all sorts of stuff. If I had that in Africa... I could use that as you say, I would, I would be able to get this team ready for the World Cup, forget African Nations Cup. And so in my eyes, having those kind of experiences shows there's no real fast track. And those people are hungry. You know, those players, one of them, two months ago, uh, three, where are we now? Yeah, four months ago, played against Messi. 
And I, and I asked him, I said, what, what is it like playing against Lionel Messi of Barcelona? Tell me, man, because is he, is he good as he is on TV? Because I see him and he looks phenomenal, man. And he said to me, there's a reason why he's won that many Ballon d'Ors. Now, Messi grabbed two goals in that game and they won 4-1, I believe. But the point that I was making is when I turn around and look at this guy, no one would have looked at him if he hadn't worked hard. And then you look at other people where they're like, yeah, see, I don't have the equipment or I don't have the gym or I don't have, you know, the facilities to be able to execute, you know, just feeling better, well-being, health, fitness, nutrition, so many different things. I, don't, I just don't have the tools. Then I go to Africa and I see they got no tools over there, but they're making the most out of it. Good for those people that are, are, are acknowledging there is no fast track. And that's why old school kind of works in that favor, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, of course, in terms of the, the old school, I don't think equipment or anything like that matters. It is just a, a way of making excuses. It does, it does help in a certain way. And it does put people ahead in the, I guess, in the race to become the best. Um, it gives them a head start, essentially, by having that equipment. But there's no substitute for the, for the hard work. What, what do you think the reason is that some people are, are more hungry than others? Do you think that's a kind of a mental thing or is it just out of necessity? So you say they're from, from Africa. We see a lot of mm -hmm. sports players coming out of poorer environments, um, not just football players like boxers, for example. They seem to tend to have that hunger uh, more than in other, you know, other aspects of life. Is that just the product of being in the environment that they're in? Or is that just a mental thing growing up? Where do you think that comes from? I think, I think it's hard to generalize in terms of continents, whether the hunger is more one place than the other, but I will say that your environment does affect uh, a lot of the time, the way we process things, the way we anticipate things, the way we accept things. When it comes down to uh, goal setting and looking at some of the players I've been fortunate enough to work with, the beautiful thing about them is they were all on the same level, regardless of whether they grew up with parents, whether they, they didn't, whether they were adopted, whether they were fostered, all these kind of things, you know, it's part of your makeup. And that's the beauty of, you know, having your own characteristics, your own genes, your own personality that you evolve with in time. The only problem which gets a bit dangerous sometimes is if we get used to our normality and, and what social media is and what, what it is like to be accepted. Uh, those are the things that I kind of I kind of worry about when it comes down to mental health and, uh, and mental fitness, because at that point, you don't know what's happening on the outside. You're kind of caught up in the bubble. And that's why when it comes down to assessing every player or every person, it's very, very different. You, you kind of have to have a clean slate. You can't think, all right, well, this person's got, you know, the Brady Bunch family as a family, <laughs> so they're going to be fine. It, it's not that. In fact, some people with money, are extremely depressed and we've seen signs of that. We've seen signs of neglect or just a normal upbringing, not coming through that. And if that's the case, as a coach, for me personally, it's very important to be able to listen and absorb the information before you give them a plan. That's another thing, because a lot of the times nowadays when someone comes up to someone, it's, it's not just the coach, it's also the client or the person saying, I wanna lose weight. If I give you a paper within 10 seconds of you saying that, I haven't accepted anything you've said. I've just given you a generic paper. There's no personal touch. There's no planning. It's just a generic response. But if I'm to sit down and listen to you for an hour and understand your sleeping patterns, your stress, your anxiety, how you manage it, 
what physical activities you've done, what's your medical history, what have you gone through, where have you grown up? All these things enable me as a coach to be able to say, okay, I need a day now. Now that person, as you said earlier, wants instant success. It's like a fast food industry. Yeah. You go up to the, you go up, you place your order, they give it back to you in five minutes and you're happy. But at the end of the day, does that make you feel good? Maybe for a few seconds, maybe for a few seconds, you feel right. I'm satiated. But then after that, it's like, oh, that was awful. All right, done. And then you do it. And we do it every time. It's just the way we are. So the whole point of a 24 hour process to be able to process the needs of, of the client is so important to sustain that understanding of this is what is required for them to really make a change, to form a habit. That's another thing. We build habits. And by building habits, they then, they then become, whether positive or negative, our norm. So mm -hmm. if we're not looking at these kind of things, we have to address them from afar. And if that person's not in your circle, even better, because they're not caught up in what's going on around you. So for me personally, when I went to play football with you guys, what was amazing about that is it didn't matter what we did. It didn't matter where we worked, how we did it. It was a form of escapism. So for us to be able to express playing a friendly game with some boys on the football pitch can be the most therapeutic thing ever, win or loss, because you generate all these emotions that probably you're getting away from. Your work, your family, your partner, your pressures, all these things all of a sudden are not relevant. And that's exactly how I say when it comes down to your question is it all depends on the person individually. There is no one answer or the cliche one size fits all because we don't know what that person's gone through. And in order to be able to accept them, you have to understand them. And listening is probably the most powerful tool as a coach. Definitely, definitely. That's yeah, that's that's great information there, Omar. Um, you you're talking obviously a lot about the instant success and and social media. Um, mm. What what do you think the well the positive elements first of social media are? But obviously we're we're looking more at the negative elements in terms of trying to fast track success. What do you what do you think that's the impact that's had on on modern society in in the last decade and how you think it's gonna affect the the future of the generations uh, growing up game changing to be honest and i'm probably not the best one to talk about it because my social media game is not that strong so <laughs> I, will, I will say to you that um with regards to social media there are pros and cons listen if you can if you can utilize a new tool to enhance the overall picture man hats off to you instead of hating on people and saying oh my god look at that influencer and look at that ambassador they, they've mastered that tool the only thing I will say on the, on the con side is don't get caught up in, in fadism. You know, don't judge someone based on how many likes or what they do in terms of, you know, um, clicks. Because at the end of the day, this, I know a lot of the best professors and coaches that I've had the honor of working with or being surrounded by that have no social media game. And I say that in the lightest heart possible. Yeah. They don't have an Instagram. They don't have a Facebook. And they might have a Facebook, but that's for friends, like connecting their friends. They haven't even utilized the business page of it, or for example, or so many different things. With all these platforms that are coming out, it, you know, which one do you buy into? Which one do you use for work? I, I use Instagram a lot because a lot of my work and my line of work is, is kind of coincided with Instagram. Going live when you're on the radio giving that experience to the listeners or viewers to ask questions while you're on break, to be able to bring into the show, 
giving a couple of shout outs. People love that. You know, it's, I, was, I was so surprised how it makes people smile by a couple of shout outs on the radio. You know, so all these things, these are the positive things of it. I don't like dwelling on the negative too much, but I will say, I will say this. I did fall out of love with the industry because of social media at one point in my life because I wasn't being able to match, you know, the 20-year-old six-pack kind of person that's getting three times, you know, the coverage that I'm getting and I've, I've got two degrees. So I just thought, you know what, I'm not meant for this. I'm not part of the society. I'm not accepted as part of the society. And I won't be accepted as part of society because I'm not that person. And, uh, and, I th- and I think from that point, it kind of made me really go back to the drawing board and kind of reset my whole, my whole plan, my whole mindset, my whole idea of what am I trying to do? Am I trying to, to appeal to the mass in terms of just being a six-pack person? Or am I trying to you know, educate people, go into schools, go into companies, help them reset and find their journey through my studies and the, and the experiences also I've gone through on a personal level has enabled me to be able to empathize with a lot of people. And I think that's something nowadays where it's coming back slowly. You know, we spoke about mental health briefly and, and just being, being mindful of a lot of things. That's the pro and con of social media. Sometimes, you know, I've been on both sides of it, to be very honest. I've been on the side where I've hated it and thought I'm not part of it. And I've been on the side where I've spoken to 40 people rather than 4 million. And, I, and I've got a reaction out of those 40 people, which made me feel 10 times better in how you can actually influence people the right way. You know, so that's how, that's my take. It's kind of a love-hate relationship with social media, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. that's the reality that I've lived. I can only speak on my experiences. I know people who have smashed the social media industry who I grew up with. What are they getting likes for? I can't tell you, but I can tell you they've made it, you know, and they're getting paid for it. So instead of being negative towards them or showing resentment, hey, listen, hats off to you, man. You, you, you've made something work and you've mastered that tool to get paid from it. And then the other day, if I'm going to sit there and say, I can't believe that person's getting paid for this and I can do this. Well, the moment you start to compare yourself to other people, you start to lose your identity. And when you lose your identity, you lose your purpose of what you're set to do. So if I'm not that person, rather than hating on that person, take your hat off to them, say, listen, well done, and focus on what you're doing. And I think that's once people stop trying to get self-assurance from social media and from others, and gratification is the moment they're winning because they're, not, they're always going to lose trying to be someone else. You're always going to lose that point. And, and no one likes to be a loser. So the moment you focus on what you're doing and really set your goal forward without having distorted if someone's fast-tracked it, listen, eventually time's going to tell. People are going to, those, the macro and the micro debate that we had. Yeah, but I've got 1.2 million followers. Yeah, I've got 10. But those 10 engage with me. Yeah. How many of those 1.2 million don't engage with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still got 500 likes out of 1.2 million. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of like the, the catch-22 behind it. But it's, it took me a lot to accept that as well. This, the answer I'm giving you now, be it a long answer, is a real answer that I've had to go through where mentally I wasn't quite right with accepting that at some point, thinking, why? Look at all the stuff I've done, all the people I've tried to help, and I still can't get more than them in terms of likes. Now, the moment I've let that go is the moment I said, you know what? Actually, those messages you get privately that say, thank you for helping me mentally. Thank you for lifting my spirits. That's what it's about for me, for my journey. 
Yeah. It might not be cool. You might not hear it on social media. You might not get that. But those people know. So hopefully when my time is up, there's, an, there's, a, there's a form of appreciation and acceptance of saying, you know what? He gave everything for us behind the scenes. Not always while the lights were on, he was smiling and saying, I'm here to help. And then the moment lights are up, all right, later, I'm out. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. kind of like the, the, the lesson life has given me in my field personally. Okay, no, that, that's definitely really interesting. And I don't think anyone can fake it for, yeah, social media is such a 24-7 thing. You can't mm -hmm. fake it for 24-7. You will eventually get burnt out. And it's better to do something that you enjoy doing, be yourself and provide um, information or advice that's valuable to people rather than, yeah, just pictures of someone with a six pack, for example. It, yeah. it, it's not going to last. It, some people have cracked that code, but if it's not you, there's no point trying to, to do it that way. Uh, you, you're speaking about Reset, and obviously that's the name of, of your book, and making that change. So before you were doing uh, social media maybe in one sort of way, and then you decided, no, I'm going to make a change the way I, I do stuff. Um, obviously that reflects in all aspects of life. Do you think it's more difficult for people to change their patterns, which you spoke about earlier, or their behaviors, uh, once they get older? Because they say, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you learn to do things, you learn to adapt much more quickly. I think it's until the age of nine, they say that you, you like, you learn like a sponge. And then after that kind of age, then it's much more difficult to change your behavior style. Um, do you think it's harder to quote unquote, teach an old dog new tricks or is it possible to do it no matter what age you are? To be honest, I think, I think you can never stop learning um, the skill set that sometimes you learn later in, in your life you know, resembles a lot when it comes down to development. And so, yes, to one point where I can, I can see where people are coming from when they say past the age of nine, you know, it, it becomes harder, but you don't work at the age of nine. So, so when it comes down to, you know, development and enhancing your own personal skills, it comes later on. So I think the reason, again, with Reset and, and the domino system, I know, you, I know you've had a chance to read the book, with the domino system that it's there, domino symbol, uh, symbolizes alignment. And sometimes, as humans, we can have four out of five things really good, but one thing affect the chain reaction. And that's why I use dominoes instead of chapters in the book Reset. And that, be, that comes down to the way we learn, the way we absorb information, you know, the way we, uh, we develop as, as people. In the space of the last three months, if you would have told me I would be able to produce my own podcast, I would have said no chance. Why? Because when you're at the radio, you have the luxury of having your sound guy, your music guy, your producer. You know, you have so many people around you that are just sorting everything out. Then lockdown happens. Here's some software. Go ahead. Your turn. <laughs> so you're <laughs> like, how, how, where do I start? Like, what do I do? Okay. You've got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then it's like, well, now nah, that don't sound good. So what do you mean don't sound There's an echo. Okay. So you have to do it again. Oh, man. So I have to learn from that. Start again. Record, um, you know, the voice. Put it on the software. Get the beds. Put that on the software. Get the SFX. Put that on the software. Normalize it. Hard limit it. That's your package. It's out there now. The content is there for you guys to absorb. So there's always room for development. I know we hear it all the time. It just depends how open-minded we are about it. When, if you go in with an open mind, 
you come out with a mind full. I, I've always said that, you know, it's, it's how many times have we tried something and said, yeah, I wasn't really sure going into it. And then you come out going, yeah, still not sure going into it. That's because you've already gone in with a perception of what you think is going to happen. On my side, it's like I have now I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm like, yeah, but I didn't really give it a chance. So what happened in lockdown is I actually got a, a breathing coach, you know, someone to help me with my breathing. If you would have told me that a while back, I would have said, well, what's the point? When the breathing coach, her name is Rose, shout out to Rose if she's watching. When, when, um, when the breathing coach tells me, right, these are the things that are going to help with your performance, but also through fight or flight, how you react, how you respond to things, that in sense allows you to be more calm in how you um, react to a certain situation that could be a pressured situation. It could be in a match. It could be at work. It could be where someone says something to you where you're not really sure what they mean. If you react instantly without thinking and your breathing is affecting you, then you're not able to respond properly. So there's so many factors like that in development that is key, but unless you have an open mind, you won't be able to leave the mindful. Okay. I, yeah, that's definitely a, a great, great piece of information, Omar, because so many people are closed minded. And I think that is what limits people the, the older they get. Um, that they, they think, oh, I've been doing stuff this way and they become kind of defensive in, in the way that they do things. So if they're used to a certain pattern, they're used to eating at this time, they're used to having dinner at this time, they want to keep that routine and change is always difficult for, for people. It's only once they make that effort to start something new, try something new and keeping that open mind that they can really improve themselves, 100%. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, one thing I do on this show is I always do a top five um, with all, the, with all the, the guests on the show. And yeah. since you're, you're a coach and you deal with health, uh, both on the mental and the physical side, I wanted to ask you what are the, the top five like, health fads or, or myths that, that need to be called out? Okay, good, good question. Right. Okay, so when it comes down to that, I think, um, I think social media has got to be one of them in terms of, uh, you know, justifying your success through social media. I think that's one of the biggest fads. I don't think social media plays any part in uh, crediting you as a professional. So that's the first thing. Yes, it's a good tool, but it's not the whole project. So that's, that's one thing I'd say in terms okay. of a fad. Do you, do, you um, think, do you think people do that though? Because a lot of people just believe what they see on social media. So they see like whoever X guy is doing really well on social media. So they think he's successful then they might want to might want to work with him like that. Do you think people do it for that reason? I mean, even someone like President Trump is an example at the moment. He'll blast yeah. up out on the on on Twitter, and his followers, who might not be as as well educated necessarily, will believe that and believe that he's doing something right or someone else is doing something wrong. Do you think that's a that's that's why that that um, fad is so prevalent? I think so. And I think you are your audience, right? So when you attract a certain type of audience, it's because of what's coming out of your mouth and what you're, what you're trying to portray as your character. I just feel like um, there's a lot of the times where we neglect some of the most important factors, the sense of empathy, the sense of being accountable, mindful, gratitude. You know, that's not cool to put on social media. You know, that's, that's not, mental health, you know, uh, mental anxiety, uh, toxicity in the, in the industry. Those are things that if you put on social media, it appears to be that you're being negative. But then if you say something outrageous, that draws attention to that character. If, if, listen, if it's part of the show, and I say this where if you're in the entertainment business, if it's part of the show, 
let's not let's not cut the cheese we we love that that's that's why we we tune in to mixed martial arts you know conor mcgregor says something outrageous oh man did you see he said and we're talking about that but when it comes down to your line of work or your family or things that are like a little bit more important than entertainment itself then i would say you know it's not cool to be kind and and all that kind of stuff you just got to be real with it you can't some people say well okay but why do you put you know your life out on social media there's always going to be someone that's not happy so if you're trying to please others and you're trying to cater for that audience you're going to get a backlash if you're going to just be yourself with it yes it might not get you the the likes you want but if you as lloyd are a respected person in your industry i'm going to be able to tell by your delivery the moment social media is taken out of it and me and you interact behind you know the scenes i'll go he knows his stuff i trust him I'm going to go with him. So it goes down to buying into someone's philosophy in their line of work. If you buy into their philosophy and if you buy into their, them investing in their education and their learning to be able to deliver the result that you want as a client, then I'd say that's going to win all the time. But there are those people that are going to, again, I said this earlier, they're going to flick onto social media, see that six pack and say, I want that six pack. And guess what? The person, the man or the woman who's achieved that six pack will say, they got it from this supplement when they didn't because <laughs> they're getting paid for it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they're getting paid for that. At that point, I switch off straight away because I've kind of forecasted that and said, no, no, I'm going to give this person a chance. I'm going to see what they say. Are they going to tell me that they focused on their brain first before their body? Yes. I want to listen to this guy. Are they going to say, no, no, no. I took this supplement and my brain became better switch off it all depends on your audience so yeah to answer your question that development factor is key but also it's who you who your audience is okay that's a yeah that's a great point emma what's what's your number two then so i think with my number two it comes down to to hard work you know we mentioned that earlier in terms of the pros i think when you when you fast track that and when you try to achieve instant success it's probably going to be um an instant feeling and by an instant feeling it's not going to last long mm -hmm. so you wouldn't have put the time in you would have seen the the books you would have seen the reading material you would have seen all that content and said yeah you know what i'm not kind of feeling that today but i will just do the exam and i will try and get you know that result that i, I want to get it's instant feeling and and that won't last long and you're kidding yourself so i really think that when it comes down to that don't believe in instant results because if it does happen and it's one in a million where it might happen. Hey, listen again, well done. But when you're looking at longevity, and that's why we fall off the cliff quite hard when it comes to mental health, is because when we get that rush of being at the top, and then it just comes blasting down. How many times have you heard of, you know, all these incidents where people are having to go check into rehab and having to go speak to people, professionals, because they, they've lost that feeling of, of what it is to be happy, you know, even if they have the money, even if they have all these things, instant feeling isn't always an instant result that is good for the long term. So that would be my second one. My third one um, would be, and, and I'll try and raise this point to you very quickly. When it comes down to physicality, when it comes down to wanting to physically look better, we go to the gym. But when it comes to, to our brain, where, where do you go? Where, where, where's your space? You know, where, what place do you go to, to be able to master that so people can get the better version of you? That's the, the, the thing that I find very, very important. So being able to reset your environment, 
is definitely one of them that I would say is very, very important. The fourth one, um, I would say nutrition, which is a very, very obvious one, but not just for the, the physical aspect, but also for the mental aspect, being able to fuel your brain with the right things that comes down to meditation, that comes down to uh, breath work, that comes down to spending time with the family or pets or something that's gonna make you happy. You know, I would definitely say um, that aspect is very, very key. And I would probably wrap up with recovery, which is another thing. We don't get enough sleep. That's for sure. I don't. I know I don't. That's one of the, the, the dominoes I'm trying to reset. Um, and by getting enough sleep, you're able to develop better. So those would be my, you know, my, uh, my list of uh, pros. Okay. Thanks, Omar. Yeah, that's great. You, you did mention uh, nutrition, and that's something I did want to speak to you about. Um, how, how important do you think that is to, to someone's lifestyle? I know you've put it in your, your, your top five things. Um, and, and by that, I mean not specifically just on the, on the physical aspect of it. How, how important do you think that is to how like, the human body and the, the mind performs? Extremely important. Gut health is something that is you know, game-changing when it comes down to kind of mastering the probiotics in your body. You know, there's often a feeling that we get, and I'm sure you've said this a couple of times as well, when you say, I have a gut feeling something ain't right here. That comes down from the second brain, and that's 80% of your immune system is in your gut. So, so checking, uh, checking that off your list and saying that, you know what, gut health is so important, being able to fuel the right way, making sure you're getting the right probiotics in. You know, I mentioned in the book, obviously, different forms of probiotics that you can, um, you can incorporate in your daily lifestyle to just feel like you're digesting better. You don't feel bloated. You're able to perform better without feeling lethargic, which then affects your performance. You know, it all goes hand in hand. You know, those things are, are, are so, so crucial in, in just feeling better, in well-being. You know, yeah. people would say, yeah, but go out for a run. Yeah, but if you feel bloated while you go out for a run, you're not going to feel good. You know, there's so many different things that happen and it comes down from gut health and the immune system, especially as we see it now in today's current world, is everyone's going out and buying, you know, toilet roll and antiseptic wipes and all that kind of stuff. Focus what's going on inside your stomach before it gets to the surface and then you'll be okay. You know, there's a good chance you, you'll survive it and there's a good chance... We should have been looking at this years ago, and a lot of us have been acknowledging the importance of gut health and the importance of nutrition. Right now, instead of taking supplements, get it out of your food. If you can't get it out of your food, then consider you know, the, the things that, the vitamins that you need, the magnesium, the calcium, the zinc, that's gonna help you sleep better, it's gonna help you perform better, it's gonna help you switch on so that you don't feel you know, unproductive when it comes to you know, your work and your family. And another thing, you can't work on other people or help other people if you haven't given yourself that attention. Yeah. That's another thing. We're, we're often the best to give advice, including myself. We're the best at giving advice to everyone. And then you look and you go, well, I'm not feeling good. So how, what gives me the right, even as coach Omar, yeah, what gives me the right to be able to help people if I'm not practicing every day and resetting my ideas every day to be able to accomplish my goal of the day? short-term goals, realistic goals, so I don't feel disappointed, then I'm able to help other people. And by doing so, it doesn't just come from schooling, it comes from education and life as well. 
Definitely, definitely. In terms of, I know you were talking about improving the n- nutrition. How how do you fit that into like the modern lifestyle? So, just for example, as as a salesperson in in our kind of work in in the real estate industry, we we don't tend to have a set kind of routine. Um, we're here for a meeting. We're meeting this person over here. We don't necessarily aren't able to have lunch at this per- certain time. We might get home late in the evening. We have to go out for a meal, entertaining a client, for example. How can you fit nutrition into that kind of modern lifestyle, not just in this industry, but for anyone who's busy in, in the corporate world? See, um, for me personally, if I, if I look at myself before giving advice to anyone else, so I, I suffer from that as well. So the reason when I'm, when I'm having to go from Jebel Ali, Sharjah, Dubai every day, where am I going to have the time to, to eat, prepare my food, sort out my, my, my plans? Um, so what I did is I resorted to going to a meal plan company. Okay. And I went to shout out to, to, actually, you know him. You know Coco, don't you? Yeah. 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 So, he, so he, he's a master chef and he has his own meal company, you know, Be, Be Meal Plan. And um, so I, I end up investing in that. Why? Because all my meals have to be measured. I have to make sure I'm getting the right nutrients. But also I'm getting the right nutrition to be able to produce every day you know to be able to have my energy up when i'm on radio because if you sound flat no one's gonna listen to you there's so (laughs) many things like that that i have to do so personally speaking that's what i would do i would be able to invest in that which then people say yeah but that costs a lot of money so does your health see it's going to cost even more if you end up in hospital for those reasons but this time you're not living you're curing and that's the point that i'm making when it comes down to nutrition so I would invest, personally speaking, in my nutrition. If you can get up in the morning before work by an hour and prepare your food for the day, brilliant. You're winning. Can you cook? Can you do all these kind of things? Can you put a meal together where it has the right carbohydrates, the right fats, and the right protein? Fantastic. Are you allergic to things? Remove that out. Do you measure your food? I can. I can learn how to. Those are things that I think that once you start to master, I did a show a couple of months ago, uh, sorry, a month ago when everyone was asking me about, you know, productivity levels went down when we were at home working. That's, that's, that's something that everyone's facing. But what I said is do a PTT, a program template time frame. And what this was is I kind of I resorted to putting down a 24-hour sheet and writing how many hours you sleep and how many hours you take for your food and what are you spending the rest of the day doing? How many hours are you spending on transport? Right now, there's no transport, so we can't get out. So how many hours are you spending doing things that make you feel better, make you more productive, allow you to be able to get the best out of your day? Because it's easy to get sucked in. Let's face it, we all have crap days. I was going to swear there. We all have crap days where, um, you know, it's, it's crap, man. We feel awful. Our motivation is down. We're having an off day. But that's okay. Next day, you got your 24-hour timesheet again. Eight hours sleep. I don't get eight hours sleep. But if you do, amazing. Put that down. Lock that off. Two hours, I don't know, all your three meals. That's 10 hours. So what are you doing for the remainder of your time? What are you doing for the next 14 hours of your day? And these are things that you can kind of, they're just eye-openers. It's not saying you need to eliminate Netflix and chill or FIFA. That's all right. You want to play two hours of FIFA or whatever, one hour of FIFA. Put that on there. But you still got time. And a lot of the time, the most common thing we hear is, I haven't got time. So yeah. when you put it on paper and you draw it out, it opens your eyes to a lot of things. 
yeah, I think that kind of structure is really important. And I think that's a common excuse maybe people would make um, is that they don't have time or they, they just don't prioritize according to their time. So maybe you don't literally have the time to do everything because no one has the time to do every single thing that they want to do, but prioritize yeah. those tasks into what's most important and what's going to be the most beneficial for you. Then you can, then you can really look at improving like your lifestyle and, and everything that comes around that. Um, Absolutely. In terms of, well, you're talking about physical health and you touched on it earlier. Um, the physical health that you have and also the gut health, how does that really affect mental health? Um, you're talking about feeling lethargic some days or not being productive. Um, how, how much does that physical health and gut health affect that? It affects it massively. It affects it massively because the type of foods that you eat, and these are also mentioned in the book, are fundamental in being able to process things better how sharp we are how switched on we are um obviously the the obvious things as i said earlier you know we always know what to do but we don't always do what we know um the fried foods and the fast food that you don't really know what's in there of course it's good to have that once in a while but in truth not getting used to that as the norm is is the key fueling the brain is so important in feeding the brain certain things that will enable you to just feel better, you know, through actual food, like the fiber that's in the food, you know, the density and the nutrition that you have to feel full. I'm not going to lie. There's certain foods that I, I like that might not be super healthy all the time. But then again, I'm, I'm building up to that. So I'm going five days, we go six days, but we're going five days, six days clean eating. And then I'm almost kind of like resetting my metabolism by saying, all right, listen, I wanted a pizza this week. So I'm going to have a pizza this week. And especially now with us fasting, it's more like you have more time to think about what you're going to eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll tell my wife, I'll go out and tell my wife, I say, listen, Maria, like right now I'm craving that at the end of the week. So we're going to get that at the end of the week. You know, <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, he looks serious. That's what's going to happen. And so again, it all builds up to kind of just appreciating, you know, certain foods, but also getting the right nutrition I read this somewhere once and it, it, it resonated with me. You can have 10,000 calories of food and still be starved of nutrition. Mm -hmm. And that tells yeah. you that your, the density in the food could get you full for longer, but maybe not be as many calories. So a lot of the time when we're, you know, yamming down food and we're thinking, oh, I'm so hungry and, ah, and you're going crazy. The, the, the truth about it is, is that we're not actually processing what we're eating. Our brains are telling us, go, get it finish let's do this but in truth it's not really that you take your time and you assess what you're eating eventually your taste buds go oh don't know about that there's certain drinks i don't know if you remember when we were growing up things like dr pepper yeah i used to drink dr pepper when i was growing up i used to love that yeah i had a sip of that like about seven eight years ago. i thought what was i drinking <laughs> it's awful you know Th things like that that um and anyone who's from Dr. Pepper, no offense, but the, things like that is where I just go, my taste buds have changed now. So I'm not able to, to eat or drink certain things that maybe as a kid I got away with. And then I went out and I played yeah. football and, I, and I, you know, I burnt it off and it was no problem. As we get older, you get a better, better understanding of what your body does and how it functions and how it responds. And that's where we have to be you know, a bit more careful because we can't get away with it as we used to. Definitely. I think... I, I feel that 100%. You know, when you said you're, you're craving something or you're feeling for a pizza, whatever like that, 
then you eventually have it and then you just feel awful afterwards because yeah. you feel so bloated and then you have that kind of instant regret <laughs> after yeah, doing yeah. it. The, the time that you have it, and I think that relates not just to, to food or anything that you do. If you, if you do stuff in too much that isn't necessarily good for you, you'll feel good in the short term, but in the long term, you'll, you'll have that, um, that, 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 that feeling of, Oh, I haven't, I haven't done myself justice here. If you're, if you're really looking to, to improve your lifestyle. Um, when, when we look at how companies function rather than say in, in the sports world, in the corporate world, and like I'm talking from a sales perspective in particular here, um, we, we tend to talk a lot about having a, a positive mindset and um, in more of a mental health terms. But we, we never really discuss physical health for, for staff. Um, and, and I don't necessarily understand why that is. And on the flip side, in the, in the world of, say, sports, it's almost the, the opposite. So say you're in an amateur football team, you tend to work on, on the physical side and never talk about the mental side. Um, it's only really at the, the top echelons of, of sport where that happens or even in the corporate world, the, the top echelons. Why, why do you think that is and why has it not been, um, not been considered more from companies to, to work on both sides equally? Poor, poor decisions, poor decision making. You would rather invest in, again, this can appear salty, but you'd rather invest in something that's completely irrelevant to bring your business um, success, which doesn't last that long, but you won't bring in a professional that can help all your employees get their mind back on track to be able to perform over the course of the year. It baffles me sometimes when I, when I see a lot of, and, I, and this being because my wife works for one of those companies that's very good at treating their staff. And that was very rare for me when I heard what they were doing and everything, I was, I was fascinated by it. But the point I'm making is, is that other companies will invest in certain things, but not in others. Yeah, but we don't have the budget to bring on a mindset coach to be able to get our employees invest in our employees once a month, once every three months to be able to see where they're at, how their productivity is, what they're doing. Are they meeting their physical uh, needs? Are they meeting their mental needs? Are they working on their nutrition? Are they resetting their environment? Are they recovering? Right. Are they working too hard? People nowadays are neglecting that on the decision-making to bring in the professionals to enhance their performance, just like in football. The yep. reason why football has elevated so highly at the top clubs is because they've started to incorporate more mindset, more people that can come in and change the mindset of the players to overcome defeat, overcome setbacks. And that's, that's the elevation factor that we have. Then you look at the fine, fine lines, but you can't get to the fine lines or the fine margins if you haven't mastered the main foundation of that company. And that yep. foundation comes down to the brain is the most powerful thing that anyone at a company can focus on and master. And yet we're thinking about, yeah, you know what? Let's, uh, let, let's do a, a group outing at the end of the month and, and go out and, and drink. Uh, how is that going to help? If you're going to spend that money, why don't you spend the money on those employees to enhance their brain, to perform better, to be happier so they can produce more. They can produce more quality. You know, these are all the things that I think the companies that are doing it properly are getting the best results. The ones that are thinking about 
you know, other things and bringing this person on board and trying to do these activities for employees when you're not focusing on what matters most, how their families are, what are their families doing? What are their, how are their kids doing at school? Yeah. The moment as a coach or a leader that you start to focus on the finer print is the moment where you're going to start getting long-term success. And I think that's something, even from someone that has no business mind like me, something that I can tell you, which is going back to basics. And that's the whole point of mastering a model long-term. Definitely. Do you think it's because people aren't as necessarily educated in, in, in the ways of, of, of what you're talking about? Um, and it's because it's more from a, an older generation, the people in the leadership positions at the moment in companies. Do you think over, over time as like the younger generation who are a bit more in tune with, with both sides and have, have, and have been able to understand more as people talk about it like we are today, um, through you know, books or on, on YouTube videos or whatever. Do you think as, as that generation gets into more leadership roles in companies that we're going to see it more prevalent? Or do you think people are still going to be purely focused on that short-term success and uh, the benefit of the shareholders in the short-term making money for the company? I think it's a balance, Lloyd. To be honest, I don't think, it's, I don't think the new generation is taking over and I don't think the old generation is, is far behind. I think it's a balance. I think... Some of the best managers or coaches or leaders of today's world were the reason why they are where they're at is because they've been able to take on the information that's current and adapt it to their knowledge. So if I look at, I don't know if the, if the listeners know, but if I look at two football managers, some of the best managers in the world, if I look at Sir Alex Ferguson, who arguably, and I don't want to admit this, but is probably the best manager in the world. The reason why he is the best manager in the world and has been asked to go into universities it's because in 1996, a certain Arsene Wenger came from Japan. This guy looked like a professor. He was a, a sports scientist, a degree in economy, seven languages. He came and revolutionized the Premier League, the English league in, in, in football. Once he did that, the reason why Alex Ferguson turned out to be the best manager in the world, and he's old school, was because he took on the new methods of sports science, nutrition, mindset, incorporated that in his team, Manchester United, and was able to be successful throughout his career till the last second he managed. And that's so relevant to when it comes to companies and organizations, because if you're stuck in the old, you will be distant from the new. So you won't be able to get the best out of the new people. If you're too much in the new, you neglect the fundamentals that we've had in the old. So it comes down to Alex Ferguson adapting to Arsene Wenger's uh, methodology and philosophy to be even greater than Arsene Wenger. Now, Arsenal fans, I am an Arsenal fan. You can see the shirts <laughs> in the back. But first and foremost, I'm a coach and I'm a football man. And I'm a man who understands the different approaches that gets the best out of the players. And that for me is so relevant to today's world because technology and the, and the, and the modern world is really racing ahead, but the old school is still there. So to acquire that, you need the right balance. Definitely, balance is always important. And I, I think the reason, like you said, he was, he was, he was so successful is that he... He was open-minded like you were talking about before and he was willing to adapt to change and he was also willing to bring in experts. Again, another thing you were mentioning before. So if there was an expert in a certain field, he wouldn't step on their toes. He'd like say, go do your thing. I'm not an expert at this, but you are. And I think you can improve, uh, improve the, the quality of our squad or our, or our people in our, in our team to, to make us more successful, whether that's, you know, 
yoga with players like Ryan Giggs or whether that's getting, do, letting the, the first team coach do all the, the training drills in a certain way. He, he, would, he would do that. And I think more managers and um, company owners could, could, could learn from that, I think, in, across the corporate world, definitely, for the, for the benefit of their company's success in, in the long term. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what, what, what do you think as well? I know we were talking about you, you know, there's a lot of stuff going in, in the, on the modern world. Um, you know, you don't necessarily get enough sleep. People are overworked a lot, uh, compared to maybe what they were used to in the past. Um, and they're not necessarily getting enough time to, to rest and recover. And that's something you talk about in, in your book. Would it, would it be better to have people working at a 60 or 70 percent level consistently rather than burning themselves out by going 100 percent for a few days each week and then being completely unproductive the, the other days i think that you i think you answered the question i think if they're being unproductive on the other days i don't think that's longevity and i think you know on those days a decision could be made in the wrong manner because they're fatigued which will affect the business Mm -hmm. So I think you've answered it. I think flow state, you know, it's good to be able to, the only thing I would say to add to that is I wouldn't go below 60% because then, then it becomes pointless because you're kind of, you're just getting lazy. You know, you're not really, you're not really producing what you're supposed to, but I do say, and, and this is something that I've said in my book is that the point of that is, is that if on those three days that you're, you know, you're fatigued out and there comes a decision that you have to make and you make the wrong decision, you can potentially cost your company millions, millions and millions of pounds, yeah. dirhams, dollars, whatever you want to call it. And that's where you've got to reassess your model. What are you doing? What are your objectives? What works for the company? And the leaders and the people that are in charge will be able to assess the person's character and how to get the best out of them on a coaching perspective. Okay, yeah. The way I uh, analyze it, I guess, from a sales perspective, perspective is if you were... Uh, um, working 100% and then you were having to make that decision on one of those days where you, you were fatigued, for example, that might be the day when the, the person who, who wants to buy the $20 million mansion comes along and you're not working at the top of your game. Um, you have to be prepared to take opportunity. I think that's what, what people say when you can prepare all you want, but you have to be ready to use that and be in the right mindset at that time to grasp the opportunity that comes your way. And I think that that's definitely a right message is that you should be prepared. You don't have to be necessarily a hundred percent, but if you're completely out of it on one of those days, you won't be ready to seize that, seize the day basically. 100%. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think this kind of work, 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 work hard, work hard, and then kind of crash on the weekend that a lot of people have in their kind of routine uh, you know, in the modern world nowadays. Do you think the, the lack of balance that we're having there is causing increased mental health issues and depression globally? I think, yeah. I mean, again, it, it comes down to being accountable for your, your own actions, but also the way your week looks. I think this whole crash thing on the weekend, I'm not a big fan of just because I don't, I don't feel like, you know, and it depends. Everyone's obviously entitled to do what they do, but for those people that have, families and aren't bachelors for example then you would be going back to your family to be spending time with them that would be a chance to kind of just calm things down and and just be able to 
to, to give more to the family whilst maybe during the week you're kind of busy and long hours and et cetera. But when it comes to, you know, let's say more single um, employees, you know, men or women that want to just go out and have a good time and everything, there's no wrong in that. It's just the fact that how are you going to, how are you going to feel good if you're going out on the, on the Friday or the Saturday in the UK and then Sunday you have to recover or Saturday you have to recover. Is it enough time to recover after you've had a long week? It's, it's making those decisions and just being able to manage your time, uh, you know, better that will help you with these things. A lot of these things are generic as well. You know, everyone is different. We all have our own circumstances. I wouldn't say that one answer kind of suits everyone, but mental health is, is so important and probably enough to cover a whole other show when it comes down to, you know, um, you know, managing your stress levels and your anxiety and, and, and the way you feel. And, and it's okay to feel uh, off on a couple of days, but it's only, it's only temporary. And I think that's, you know, the importance of mental health, especially in the modern world now, where a lot of the time there's, there's factors like technology that, you know, that play a huge part in that. I think it's really key to be able to just be mindful of, treating your health mentally just as important as it is physically. Yeah. Do, do you think that there's something that companies or, or managers can, can do more to, to assist on that? I know people always talk about, um, you know, flexible working hours or working from home. And obviously it's changed a bit with the current situation we're in. Um, do, do you think that that kind of is here to stay now with this change of environment that we're in and people will be a bit more flexible in, in terms of that, um, in, in terms of working patterns rather than a traditional, you know, nine to six and then two days off. I think different companies have obviously different strategies. You know, Google and Facebook have often been praised for the way they handle, you know, their employees and their, their plans, setting them tasks and, and meeting objectives is for, far more uh, efficient than having them in the offices at times. I think that's worked. But again, I, I also think it comes down to you know, just being productive in your own environment. People want it to be at home. Now you're at home, people want to go out. It really does come down to, you know, so many different factors where just be careful what you wish for because right now with the current situation, people can't wait to get out. People can't wait to see different color patterns, different people interact. So it will take time. Listen, it will take time, but it will come back to normal eventually, whether that's this year or next year, it will do. We just have to be very mindful and respectful of the current situation that we're in because, we couldn't have these unprecedented times. We couldn't have forecast this would happen. And now this is the time where a lot of people are being laid off for work. So we have to be grateful that we are still in work. And at the same time, we're able to maybe, you know, stay up on our levels of productivity. Because if we go back to the office eventually and they look at the charts and let's face it, they always look at the productivity charts and see if you did deliver the sales you need to do, if I did manage the shows I'm supposed to do, if I did speak to the people or train or coach the people I'm supposed to do and got the results I need, then you justified working from home. But mm -hmm. if you haven't, then you're in trouble because you've got yourself in that environment where it's lethargic, it's tiring, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and that's very dangerous. So once we do resume, it will, be, it will be up to the leaders and the managers to kind of look at the results and see if you are able to deliver even from a different environment. Yeah, I think it really affects uh, individuals differently. Some people thrive in this kind of environment and others don't. And it might be just a case of working on a more individual basis rather than giving a company-wide kind of policy. And they, they can look at the, the numbers for that. Uh, anyway, Omar, that's, 
that's that's great. I've I've exhausted my list of questions for you, and it's been really ins- insightful what you've had to to say today. Um, if you just want to tell anyone listening or watching where they can find you, follow you, listen to you, um, go ahead. Thank you, thank you. Uh, firstly, thank you very much for for having me on the platform. I, I really appreciate you uh, you inviting me on. So th- thank you for that. They can follow me on Instagram at Omar Alduri or even on SoundCloud, which is where I produce most of my shows. Hopefully, once the pandemic is over, I'll be returning back to the radio, which is Pulse 95 Radio, where you can catch the halftime show every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, three to four. And it's uh, a show that covers mental health, gut health, how the brain affects not just athletes, but everyday life in our performances at work and at home. Okay, thanks, Omar. I've also got copy of your book here for people to to go out and check out it's really useful for anyone who's looking to to reset their lives and improve their their mental and physical health uh so thanks again omar for coming on and i'll see you guys on the the next episode of realtor talks thanks for, thanks for having me bye bye Omar. <laughs>